Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I'm Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar, TA. Guys, uh, we've finally made it through round one of the NFL draft. Uh, some things we expected, some things uh, we did not. So let's just uh, get started. Uh, how, how are we doing today? How do we feel about round one? We're operating on like four hours of sleep. Uh, we're, we're making it, uh, you know, updating rankings and everything that happened from last night. I mean, last night was coming into yesterday was arguably the the most like excitement for like an NFL draft in, in a lot of years, you know, the NFL really built this thing up and then the 49ers really placated to, uh, you know, kind of having some, some intrigue at the start of that draft and just having all those quarterbacks go uh, to open up uh, it just made for a really exciting round one. I'm sure we'll get into the weeds on everything, but uh, it was definitely an exciting night though. Yeah. And, you know, it took forever to start. I mean, my God, yeah. that concert and everything. Listen, like, man, right, when, you can, when you have Kings of Leon, you do not <laughs> short Kings of Leon. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous because not only was that like just dragging, you had the commissioner with a stupid chair, rocking chair, like, I mean, who cares? And then you had like, you had the, you know, the ex, you know, some of the Browns players, Bernie Kosar, Joe Thomas go up there and do their little thing. It's like, all right, all right. And then you had to wait for Jacksonville and the Jets. That was another, like, they just milked the clock. It's like, all right, we, we know what you guys are going to do. So the real draft didn't actually start to like 930. It was just, <laughs> it was a little bit uh, rough there, but yeah, all in all, just fun to see, you know, finally see a crowd out there and, you know, is, uh, you know, my hometown down downtown here in Cleveland, a lot of fans were excited. I knew some people down there. So uh, you know, Cleveland turned out pretty good and it turned out to be a pretty fun first round. So, uh, looking forward to, uh, uh, bashing all the teams that really screwed up here and, uh, and, uh, talk about some of the, uh, the teams that did well. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting. Like, I, I don't think there were, I mean, maybe TA can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there were too many terrible swings and misses that you know we might see in in previous drafts um but let's let's start with the good stuff what were what were some of the things that that stood out that we uh, we really liked um pretty much anywhere uh through the round one yeah, i mean i could start about the bears too Just yeah go ahead bears. you could talk go ahead rich i'll, I'll let I, you I, yeah i think we have to right yeah, well, I mean, listen, uh, you know, Twitter, uh, you know, basically everyone outside of big NFL was pro Justin Fields and our website definitely was as well. Uh, so, I mean, there, no one really knew where he was going to go last night. You know, could he go eight? Could he go nine? Could he fall even further? Is the team going to trade up and get him? And, you know, we had the Bears come up and get him basically Ryan Pace on what is ninth life. Like it's, this is it. Like he's, he's in the, in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, he is one final move to try to like save his job. And, you know, I, I have to believe that, you know, they actually did the right thing, you know, here to coming up and getting Justin Fields, uh, you know, getting a dynamic quarterback. Uh, this, this team, if you just look at the history of the Bears quarterbacks, I mean, no one needs to recite it, uh, but it's just been so poor. Uh, you know, I, I imagine he, he's going to start like pretty early. I know that they came out last night and said the, the token things that they say, but oh. we always, <laughs> we always started know with that goes. stuff. <laughs> like, honestly, it's like tradition, like mm-hmm. every year after a rookie quarterback gets drafted round one, it's, it's like, uh, you know, without fail, the GM and the head coach come out and say, oh, the, the you know, insert veteran bridge quarterback that the, everyone talks about uh, is going to start and uh, our rookie is going to, you know, going to yep. have to sit. And it never happens. I mean, I, I saw it with Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor. I saw it last year with Tyrod Taylor and Herbert. And it's just like, all right, we know that's not how this is going to work, especially like you said. I mean, this is Pace and uh, Nagy's kind of last hurrah. And this, 
you know, it, I, I thought it was a good move. I mean, I thought they gave up a decent amount. They had to do it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there is a little disconnect between the, the health of the franchise and a GM and head coach who are probably on their last, um, their last leg. But it overall, I thought it made sense. It's funny because the Bears are just an absolute mess. If you look at the cap situation after this year, it's like, I mean, I was looking at defensively, they've got uh, like $100 million uh, tied up to just 13 guys under contract next year. Um, and, you know, you can't get out of the Khalil Mack and the, I think it's Robert Quinn and Danny Trevathan and Eddie Jackson. There's like four or five guys that just account for all of that, that you can't get out of. So they had to do something here. They had to take a swing at a, at a guy like Fields you know, that dropped. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, he has to be a superstar because if he's just even an average quarterback, like they are an absolute mess uh, going forward. So uh, I think it, it made it made sense to do it. Um, you know, it was worth the risk, and we'll see. We'll see if everybody else uh, was right in the NFL and Twitter world, and uh, every, you know, and the Bears were wrong that uh, you know Fields is, you know, uh, the whole thing about his mechanics and all those sorts of things, and slow, you know, slow to to recognize, uh, you know, and, and and you know, move on from his first read and all that stuff that you kept hearing about. Let's see if uh, you know who's right at the end of the day. It was Gettleman's first trade down, Dan. <laughs> Yeah, it's at a time where, you know, the Giants might have been better off just taking Justin Fields. But, uh, uh, but yeah. Do you really I mean, think, no one... by the way, that they were going to take Devonta Smith? I mean, yes. for, for sure. Okay, yeah. I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah they, uh, they wanted one of the Alabama wide receivers. Um, well, I think Waddle was their number one, but that was never realistic because obviously he was uh, going early. I believe they, they did want uh, Devonta Smith, and then uh, once he was gone, uh, they actually figured it was time to trade out. Um, but when we go back to the Justin Fields thing, I think it is interesting because there there are so many layers here in the you know in, in the pick and the development and the overall state of the franchise. Kind of like you said, I think when we've seen some you know development of quarterbacks slow down, it's when it is they are brought in by you know these coaches and GMs on their last legs. Um, and, you know, what if, you know, Justin Fields is, you know, still pretty good this year, but the Bears are, you know, a seven-win team. Do Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace still stay? Or now are they still fired because it wasn't good enough and now Justin Fields is in, you know, a, a new quarterback or a new uh, coach and new GM um, going Donald into Platt. year two? Yeah, it's it's something we've seen well, with, with rookie quarterbacks like this a, a lot and something that can slow the development. Um, but in terms of 2021, I'm really interested, and I, I kind of wrote this in our um, – roundtable recap that we did last night after the round like at the end of the year when the bears were like super desperate to get something going on offense uh bill Lazor started calling the plays they kind of switched more to like the shanahanian wide zone play action offense and it kind of worked like mitch trubisky wasn't good but there was enough production there i think he was at 12th in epa um, from weeks, I think like 12 to 17. So over the past couple games, the last couple games of the season, uh, when they were able to, you know, kind of figure out what could work on that offense, um, there, there was some production there. Um, so now you bring potentially Justin Fields in there. So I'm very interested in what they're going to do. And they, they we're getting a little too far into the weeds about what the bears are going to do in the regular season. Uh, but whether Bill Lazor will keep calling plays because that's something Matt Nagy gave up during the season, um, or if, and if they're going to keep that 
type of offense. Because if they are, then I think there's there's some really cool things that they could be doing with Justin Fields that you know is going to. And I've talked about this a lot too. Open up a lot of that short area uh, that you know if you have processing concerns about Justin Fields, which I do believe are overblown, you're getting some more you know, wide open, you know, short passes that he didn't really have in that Ohio State offense. So I think that is an immediate help too. So I think if they are able to stick with that, um, I think there is some some development and some like uh, immediate impact that could happen there. I thought it was interesting too. Um, I don't know if you guys heard it. It was Lewis Riddick um, when, uh, obviously when they made the trade up, we all knew it was going to be Fields, right? You don't make that trade if it's not a quarterback. And um he made a comment that uh, Nagy, you know, the first time around when they traded up for Trubisky a couple of years ago, that uh, he said something to the effect of, you know, I know how Matt Nagy ranked those quarterbacks that year with Watson and Mahomes and Trubisky and essentially made the comment that uh, if I know him, that he finally gets his pick this year. So it sounds like that was a Ryan Pace move to, to take Trubisky, <laughs> to Trubisky and Nagy didn't necessarily have him as his top quarterback. And so now it's just kind of like, this is his last hurrah to, to go ahead and take the guy that he wanted. So, you know, we'll see what he does. It's his offense. So he should be able to, to take that, take that player. And, you know, the, the, you know, doing some of the kind of the read option stuff that he used with, uh, you know, Alex Smith and Trubisky, I think it's going to fit fields a lot better. It's a better athlete than both those guys. So, um, you know, uh, I think it's going to, I think it was a smart move. They had to do it. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to sit there with, with Andy Dalton. You know, I think somebody asked us in our Twitter uh, spaces chat last week, you know, what, what do the bears do? And it's like, well, if you can't get a quarterback, like, I don't know what you do except for just trade as, you know, trade out and get as many picks as you can for next year to try to move up for a quarterback because you just have no other options. And so, um, you know, you're going to sit there with Andy Dalton, win seven games, and then what, you know? So, you know, I think they they had to make this move, and it was the right move. We had kind of thought coming in that it was going to be Denver was that team we had to out, And then, you know, throughout the day, the Aaron Rodgers news started to pick up steam. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out with Denver because, you know, they bypass, they go cornerback. And they do have an older cornerback room, but it is, you know, well, Dan has talked about, like, their, their, their defensive depth might not be as strong as we thought it was, but as this Aaron Rodgers kind of story develops and if he goes to that, that Denver landing spot, I mean, th- then it all makes sense why Denver decided to forego this. I, mean, I think their, their chips are all in that basket on landing Aaron Rodgers now. So we'll have to stick a pin in that. I was actually pretty grateful Aaron Rodgers didn't get traded because I had enough work to do last night than adding that on uh, to everything. But uh, what a story that was. And then the Packers still come up later in the draft. They still go, they go defense again. They go defensive back. Uh, it's just, it's just amazing that the, 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 Air, the Packers front office seems to be communicating through Aaron Rodgers just through the NFL draft instead of actually talking to him but uh yeah there's a lot of storylines that come out from last night and the 49ers actually made a pick too and it wound up not being Mac Jones uh you know they ended up going the of route of course it wasn't about. of course yeah. it wasn't yeah they ended up going the route we had all never listen to Adam Schefter when everyone tells me oh Adam <laughs> Schefter he knows what he's no that's it he's done he's done in my book I think Shannon did the right thing. I think we all talked about it. You know, is Lance a project? Do we, is there an unknown upside? Sure. But like you have to get in today's NFL, a, a guy that has, you know, some kind of, of tangible asset that you just can't arbitrage and Trey Lance has that. So props to Shanahan for coming around and making the right decision. Yeah. And I mean, we can, you know, say it probably you know, should have been Justin Fields if they were going that way, but I guess you can you know see what Lance is going to be, and yeah, obviously it being not Mac Jones, like I, 
I, I mean, I think I've said multiple times I wasn't going to believe it was Mac Jones like until Mac Jones suited up like week one for the 49ers. Um, like they could have announced Mac Jones last night and I still would have been like, nah, that, that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we're getting to see Shanahan now get some more the quarterback uh, run game, kind of open up the, the deep sidelines that just, you know, aren't a thing with the, like a Jimmy Garoppolo wet uh, offense. So I, there's so uh, just many more aspects of this San Francisco offense that can just going to play be too. opened up. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't make that move up for, uh, for, for him to sit. Um, and, and I think like you've seen, like, I, I don't even really think it, I mean, we have seen some really good quarterbacks, like, you know, with the Rogers and the Matt Ryans, when they're in that offense, it takes about, you know, maybe two years to really get a full grasp, but you can kind of see the, the plug and play nature there is of it too. Like we've seen Nick Mullins be able to, you know, put up, you know, some numbers, uh, in that type of, uh, offense just kind of immediately. So I, I would not be surprised to see Trey Lance, uh, starting week one. I would also kind of be surprised to see Jimmy Garoppolo still on the roster, um, maybe after this weekend. So I think that's might be something we, uh, look for as we go through the rest of, uh, uh the rest of this weekend. Um, so, uh, what's the, is there anything else we liked? I, I think I was, when we were, I was, you know, going through everybody's answers in the round table. Uh, I was the only one who, I guess, at least said I liked what Miami did the most. Mm. Um, I was the only one who brought up Miami as the team who had, I think, the best draft. But I, I'm kind of still loving what they're doing. I think we talked about how they just need separators for uh, that offense, kind of regardless of who the quarterback was going to be. Now it's Jalen Waddle along with the Will Fuller. I think that's exactly what you would want for a young quarterback there. Um, and then to get Jalen Phillips, uh, he's a guy who's probably, you know, if not the best pass rusher, probably number two there. Um, I know football outsiders had him as uh, their best projected uh, pass rusher uh, in their sacks year. Um, and he's a guy who like stands up about half the time too. So I think he really meshes well with what they do uh, on defense where everybody just kind of stands wherever, you know, the hell they want to confuse the shit out of uh, opposing quarterbacks. Um, so I think that that meshes really well with what they want to do. So uh, in terms of what they did in the first round, I think it's two guys that could really uh, make an immediate impact. And that was one of the teams I, I liked the most in that round. I, you know, the thing with Miami, so Waddle is fine. I just, I'm not sure you needed to trade up to six. Uh, for any wide receiver, but let alone a guy like that at his size. I mean, again, we'll see what happens. I thought that, you know, look, you, you signed Will Fuller for that reason. He is your stretch the field guy. Um, and you got Devontae Parker um, as more of, I guess, possession guy. But so I didn't think you had to go up and get waddled. So I'm kind of indifferent there. Again, I understand the speed and the game breaker. So that's fine. I didn't like the Phillips uh, pick. I, I just, I, I, I would not have drafted him. If I was a GM, I would take him off my board in round one. You can't have multiple concussions, have a UCLA medical staff tell you to retire. You do retire temporarily and then come back and play and then feel okay taking a guy like that in the top 20. I just will never do that. I mean, it's concussions. And in this day and age, you know, that one concussion and he, he might be done. And it could happen, you know, in his rookie year. I, I just feel like that's such a huge risk. Um, that I wouldn't have taken it there, especially for a team that, you know, could be ready to compete here. Um, so I, I would have gone offensive line. I think their line still kind of stinks. Um, and they didn't do anything to improve that in the off season. 
So, um, I mean, it was pretty bad last year. Like, no one's even talking about how bad their O-line was last year. All I keep hearing about is the you know, lack of weapons. Um, and so I think they really needed to, to address the line. Maybe they'll be able to do it in the second round. And, you know, uh, there are some good linemen available. But, you know, I'm not a huge fan there of what Miami did overall, I think, with, what, with the draft capital that they had. Um, I will say uh, uh, one that I did like is uh, Minnesota. I thought Minnesota did a great job. They had a huge need in their old line. Uh, their own line was a mess last year. Um, and they just really don't even have any tackles. They lost Riley Reef. So to move down uh, about nine spots, pick up two third round picks, which I think, you know, I love the third round. It's like a nice sweet spot uh, in this draft to move down and still get uh, Derisau, one of the best tackles on the board, uh, I thought was a really nice move for them. So um, just kind of under the radar, you know, often the, not many people talk about offensive linemen as kind of a, a good draft pick. So I, I like that move, um, you know, in terms of positioning and still getting a guy you might have taken anyway at 14. Yeah, Miami is, is a team I was critical when they traded back up after they made the 49er trade that same day. I genuinely believe that when they made that trade up that same day, they believed a quarterback was going at pick four and they thought they would just have their carte blanche choice of Pitts or chase. And then as it progressively looked like they weren't going to get them, they were stuck in a spot and they had to float out. Hey, well, we might to move back, back down again. And then they had to force a pick. I think that, that the Waddle pick is a forced pick uh, because they wanted to add playmakers with Tua. I mean, when you look at Waddle and his archetype, I mean, this is, this is a big swing. I mean, this, the only players drafted in the top 10 wide receivers in the 2000s that had fewer career receptions per game than Jalen Waddell are Troy Williamson and John Ross. Uh, I mean, the, the upside is absolutely there, but the Dolphins, and they did this last year too, they swung on like all upside plays. When you think about taking, not remove two from the equation, but you go 18, Austin Jackson, a project tackle. Then you come back at the top of the second round, you go Robert – you know, Robert Hunt, and then this year going Waddle and Jalen Phillips. Uh, Edwin Porras, uh, you know, at Football Injury Doc, had, had tweeted this a couple weeks ago. The probabilities of remaining in the NFL uh, for one, three, and five years for players in, in college that are, even had one concussion uh, versus those without are 78%, 78%, and 30% versus 54% to last year, uh, 12% the last three years and uh, 30% the last five years. It's just, it, it's real behind the eight ball pick. Uh, they swung for just all upside again. Now, eventually those picks wanted, maybe they hit on one of these picks and it turns the tides, but they have not been shy about just swinging on guys that have high variance uh, in their range of outcomes. Um, so I have one foot in one foot out. I think that there's, they clearly drafted two talented players, but obviously a lot of risk comes along with that. And this is a team that basically, you know, has a lot more picks to coming up in the top of the second around as well so we'll see what they do um but yeah it is very intriguing uh this, this route that the dolphins have been on but i think that they they forced their hand a little bit by coming back up too early to get back into that sixth spot i don't think play, things played out the way that they thought they were going to do um the two teams that stood out to me just the two teams that stood stood pat were the chargers just having rashawn slater fall to them and the browns getting yep. you know greg newsome just things just worked out perfectly for them uh they just got to stay put not give any capital and get two players they wanted i think when you look at the chargers just what how they've been able to redo this offensive line kind of in a one-off season they were the bottom of the board uh, across the board and espn and pro football folks metrics uh you get rid of trey turner you get rid of uh, uh sam levy <laughs> sam teffy uh the, the, one of the worst tackles in the league uh, so you get slater you get matt filer and you get Corey Lindsley added to getting uh, Brian Bulaga last year. Uh, nice insurance there for, for Justin Herbert. And like the Browns, 
the Browns, it's crazy. I'm not a Browns fan. I know UOTA, uh, but, you know, I've grown up in this area and I'm not a friends and family that are Browns fans. And just the, the 20 year struggle of what this roster has been since it's come back, uh, you know, since they came back to the NFL. And this is objectively by far the best roster this team has had, the best positioning they've ever had. Uh, the worst part of this team last year was by far the secondary. And they just come in this offseason just load up on secondary players. I mean, you get John Johnson and Troy Hill, you're going to get Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams back, and you come back and get Greg Newsom. You can just not have enough DBs in today's NFL. Uh, so, I mean, just to those two teams staying put uh, and getting, you know, kind of two players that can immediately, one, contribute for them and, and were supreme weaknesses for what I think are talented rosters to begin with uh, were, just, were just great, you know, kind of fits for those teams. Yeah, I mean, let me hit on the Newsom. Uh, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I had him, uh, I did a mock draft for underdog fantasy. It must have been a month ago and I had Newsom there. And, you know, I've, I've been tweeting way too much about it. But uh, I just love kind of looking at what the, this Browns front, front office, um, from an analytical standpoint, kind of what they've looked for since Paul D, D. Podesta has uh, gone in the front office in 2016. And they have a very, very specific type uh, that they look for in rounds one and two. And, you know, picking a 26, they're not used to it, but they're not a lot of guys that really fit there um, because the edge rusher class specifically was just so littered with red flags uh, and, and question marks. You really couldn't take anybody there. And so, you know, number two corner, uh, outside corner opposite Denzel Ward was really the biggest need uh, and Newsom fit everything from an athletic athleticism standpoint, character. I mean, he's 20 years old, kind of everything you want. I did have some nagging injuries Um at Northwestern, but nothing that was, you know, you consider major um, that would be a red flag. So I thought that kind of was a perfect bullseye. Andrew Barry continues to just make really smart moves, right? He doesn't do anything outside the box, just kind of goes and, you know, takes, uh, you know, uh, good players, uh, good athletic players at position of need. So I thought that was really, really smart. And the Chargers, yeah, I, I mean, Slater just falling to the lap was fantastic. I do think they do. They have a, a much bigger need on defense than, you know, many are talking about. I mean, you've got Derwin James coming back from a big injury and you've got uh, Bosa, obviously, but their cornerback situation is not good. Uh, they have no other pass rushers. I mean, their linebackers are horrible. Not that linebackers matter as much, but their front seven is really bad outside of Joey Bosa. You, you lost Ingram um, unless they re-sign him, but I still think they need a, they need a lot of help on that defense. Uh, but that you know, having like Slater five under- years, that sounds like some fantasy points are about to be scored. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, look, they're they're They had to do something on offensive line and Slater was too good. I mean, I think they would have taken JC Horn uh, or certain if they were there. Uh, you know, I think Staley wanted his kind of Jalen Ramsey star uh, cornerback. But, you know, once those guys were gone, it, you just had to take uh, Slater there. So uh, we'll see if they Cowboys load up on defense here that, that you know, they're going to really uh, they're going to compete in that division, I think now, um, you know, even more. And we'll see what happens with Denver at quarterback. But uh, uh, I, th- I do agree. I thought that was a good move for for uh, the Chargers. Yeah, it kind of feels like a, a lot of just the, the offensive linemen just went to, to pretty good places. Um, even, you know, Detroit just being able to sit where they were and take uh, Penny Sewell. Uh, I think that, that worked out well. I think Slater to the, the Chargers still works out. Like, T.A., you brought up uh, Minnesota getting Derzal. I think uh, all of that really, really worked out. So uh, let's uh, let's flip it here. Uh, what, are, what are some things that uh, we did not like uh, quite as much in round one? What didn't we like? I mean, I, 
I didn't like the Jets. Again, I talked about Minnesota moving up uh, for their for their linemen. I didn't like the Jets moving all the way up nine spots for a guard, no matter how good that guard is. I just didn't think that was really necessary. I mean, they have a ton of holes on defense, especially in the secondary and pass rusher. And, you know, to trade two third-round picks, now they've got one selection in the next 76 uh, to really fill this roster. I just, you know, again, I, I, I hate to, to bash a team for getting old linemen. Um, but yeah, I just didn't think you needed to do it for a guard, um, and, uh, give up, uh, you know, that draft capital. So he may have been there anyway, um, if they didn't trade down, uh, or trade up. So, you know, that one, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I'm still question, question, uh, if Zach Wilson really is the guy at the end of the day. I mean, one of these, one of these quarterbacks is going to fail, right? Like it's just impossible probably for all of them. One. Yeah, probably more than one. So <laughs> like, I, I would put my money at Zach Wilson is probably up there, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to blame him too much because, again, he's got the arm talent, et cetera. But uh, I think the Jets are probably, um, you know, I, I wasn't happy with, with that trade up just for, for a guard, uh, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the Raiders, uh, you know, the, obviously it's it's tough. We always talk about their – it feels like they talk about the Raiders every year. But just their continuance of just not, like, understanding market value or, like, what they can do with, like, their draft slot every year. Just the constant reaching on players that are going to go – dozens of picks later they just regularly do this every year um and just just no regard uh you know <laughs> leatherwood was what on the big board consensus big board is the 45th player on the athletic consensus big board you know, they take him 17 don't even I, who knows if they tried to move down or whatever because knowing their mo what they've done why did they get the benefit of the doubt we can't really give them the benefit of the doubt right <laughs> based on what they've done the past few years with you know colin farrell and Arnett. arnett it's I mean, Can we talk continue. about, wait, wait, let's talk about Mayock for a second. He will only draft, does he only watch Alabama and Clemson? Like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's really, really frightening. Like, how was this guy, like, on NFL Network? And he, I thought it was very thoughtful when he did his mock drafts and his, his uh, he was on the draft shows. And, like, he overreaches every single time. Like, he overdrafts. Like, you can trade down and still get these guys. You don't have to over you know, overextend yourself. I don't know. It's weird. Like what happened to him? Uh, once he went to a front office, he just turned into like, I, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he's doing anymore. I believe it's been reported that John Gruden is heavily involved uh, in the first round picks. And then I believe backs off uh, a little bit as the rounds uh, progress. So um, I, I, Obviously, the, the whole regime there has not done a great job, uh, but I do believe there is a, a very heavy John Gruden influence uh, in the first-round picks, which uh, makes a lot of sense uh, when you look at uh, what they've been doing uh, I mean, Just lately. look at the three teams in that division outside of them. Like, how do they get better? Like how, especially if Denver ends up pulling us like Houdini act off and lands Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the, the three teams in that division, you're, you're going to be chasing Patrick Mahomes, you know, Aaron Rodgers, and Justin Herbert. Like it's, it's a nightmare in the situation they've been in. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Derek Carr is like the epitome of the Raiders, like, you know, just enough talent and just good enough to, to kind of keep you interested and maybe compete for a playoff spot, but not good enough to win a, uh, you know, win a Super Bowl. And this is, I don't know that they're a mess, especially defensively. And now I'm looking through, uh, so the way they got picked 40, I think they got picked 48, and I'm just looking through the list. I'm like, let me find a Clemson or Alabama guy to pair them up with. I mean, is Barmore going to drop down there? Is, you know, are they going to take Landon Dickerson? <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're going to probably take one of those uh, two guys or someone from Notre Dame. But, yeah, they, um, they're they in kind of no man's land, and 
Um, they just, I mean, their, their defense is just such a mess that until they somehow fix that, um, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I, I thought maybe, you know, look, could Green Bay be interested in, in uh, Derek Carr? I'm not sure. I mean, you already have Jordan Love. I'm not sure why you need another quarterback. But, um, you know, uh, I think the, the Raiders, especially in this division, they're kind of caught in no man's land. Ten more years. How many years do you have? Seven? Seven on that contract? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's something like that. Um, yeah, it's just uh, that continues to be a – uh, a team that we just I I don't want to say we never know what they're going to do because we we kind of do they're they're very predictable uh by doing whatever they do uh in the first round um uh, when I'm looking at what kind of confused me in the first round I, I think it was some of the off-ball linebacker uh movement and I think um you know Zayvon Collins in I think a vacuum is fun in that uh, Arizona defense to be next to Isaiah Simmons. But when you're Arizona and right now you're using your two first round picks the past two years on uh, two off ball linebackers, even if, you know, we do potentially project Isaiah Simmons to be what Isaiah Simmons was supposed to be. Um, and David Collins does bring, you know, a lot of uh, that type of skill also. Um, that's just, you know, the weird back-to-back first rounds, uh, I think. And then when you look at uh, what the NFC East did with uh, Jamin Davis going to Washington uh, and Mika Parsons going to Dallas, and those are those are weird picks to me, especially uh, for the value. Um, I know a lot of people like Parsons with what he does uh, athletically, uh, but like what what is Dallas doing? I just, I don't really understand that. I mean, you, I guess you're going to move on from Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith eventually, but that's like fine if you're going to run nickel. Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Both of those they, corners going before them had to be such a shell shock to them. Yeah, you would think. I think there was there was that shot of the, the Dallas, um, the Dallas war room uh, when the two cornerbacks gone. And I think everybody just like got up and the, and the room was empty. Um, but so uh, <laughs> even more than to, to not really have a good contingency plan and, and to fall back on Parsons there, like, what are they going to do? Run base uh, like for 40% of their snaps next year. Uh, and they still um, not totally sure they can cover. Uh, they also like brought in Keanu Neal, who they said was going to you know play linebacker. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously not going to happen now. Um, so he'll move back to safety, which is probably better, uh, I guess. But that's just that's just a weird pick. And then uh, Jamin Davis too. Um, yeah, he's a guy that's super athletic, but like I'm not sure he knows how to play linebacker. Um, and that seems uh, like a weird thing to pick in the middle of the first round, especially when, if you're looking for a linebacker, you know, uh, Jeremiah uh, or Owusu uh, Kuromoa, I think is a guy that uh, way more fitting of like the, the modern era and the modern type of, you know, linebacker we want to see. And he fell out of the first round. Uh, so he's still there. So th- those two picks really uh, in terms of the value, um, you know, if we want to, you know, ignore uh, talking about running backs, which, you know, I think we probably should um, just for the mental health of everyone involved here. Um, but yeah, the, where, where the two off ball linebackers went, um, uh, Parsons and uh, Davis, especially, uh, just kind of, I felt that was the really uh, weird value for teams that probably could have used help elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I will say the one thing we did, like we did bet uh, as kind of a, <laughs> I guess as a site, we did bet uh, Washington to take a linebacker round one. So 
selfishly, I did like that. And Ron Rivera is an ex linebacker. So um, we did tell the, the Twitter spaces world that uh, that was a good pick. So that seemed kind of, you know, uh, their brand, if you will. Um, but yeah, I don't know what Dallas is doing. Um, you know, between taking Zeke Elliott and top, you know, the top five, a few years ago, and obviously all the linebacker hits, you know, I'm just not sure they really understand this whole positional value aspect of things. And so they're just taking athletes and hoping that it pans out. I don't know. I mean, I guess they were kind of stuck. They're like, do we just, do we reach and take a guy like Farley or Greg Newsom there? And, you know, or do we just take the best defensive player available? So, um, and then kind of, kind of just hope. So uh, we'll see. Interesting to see what will happen there. And I guess uh, Rich are going to get a lot more shootouts with Dallas this year with Dak back in that defense. So uh, get ready for the, uh, on the, in the DFS world. Yeah, we listen. We love it. We love it. We want all the points we could get. I mean, interesting enough too that the team they traded with the Eagles. I think a lot of people thought that was pretty peculiar as well. Uh, you know, obviously they they jumped the Giants because the Giants are targeting Devontae Smith. But I mean, even this is kind of a, a unique fit. I mean, they're kind of like they're they're going to give Jalen Hurts the shot now. I mean, I, I know TA is going to tell me Joe Flacco is going to get a shot to start or, or some whatever quarterback they take the rest of this draft. But I mean, pairing Devontae Smith. Going back wide receiver, you went round one wide receiver the year before. You went round two wide receiver the year before that. I mean, this is another situation with just where Jalen Hurts struggled as a rookie passer. I mean, they could be holding the bag again here and a trade up at a wide receiver. Like, it's very easy to say, like, a year from now, too, like, man, the Eagles just can't get this right, uh, you know, and then they might be chasing quarterback as well again next year. So, I mean, them to trade up, I thought was very peculiar as well. Uh, you don't see really interdivision trades very often, which was, which was kind of fun, especially because they jumped another team in their division. Um, but yeah, that, that trade up for Devontae Smith is interesting because you talk about taking a guy, you know, sub 170 pound receiver, it's obviously been beaten to death this whole process. And there's a lot of risk the Eagles take on, you know, going that route again. So, I mean, that's another move too, that just as a trade up, I mean, I think it was a little over aggressive for, for my book. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, yeah, I did. Uh, one of these receivers are going to work out eventually. Um, I mean, I, I guess if you, you know, look at the, at some of the production profiles and what you do, I mean, if you wanted to bet on Devonte Smith, that's probably the best bet they've made on a wide receiver. Um, so far so i guess True. that could <laughs> ray i guess that's that's what you could say about the the position there um but yeah I, so i think that obviously they they have needs on offense if you're i mean i, I don't think they could have it's, as much as they've spent on wide receiver in the past i don't think they could have gone into this season hoping for a Jalen Hurts development with the wide receiver cast they had. Um, so they put themselves in that position also. Uh, so there is really a, a no win there, but I guess if you want to, you know, jump the giants, uh, I guess, you know, be good for them. And I think we'll go with the giants here. The, the trade back great picking up an extra first rounder tied to a, a team with a rookie quarterback um, and a, a front office that, that has not been good is, you know, that's great value. Um, the Kadarius Tony thing. I, I don't really get for the giants, um, you know, super athletic um, has no idea how to play wide receiver um, stuck with now an offensive coordinator that uh all that pre-stat I, motion they're gonna run yeah all the pre-stat motion they ran yeah only one team ran fewer uh pre-stat motion uh, less than the giants uh last year so you're not going to be moving tony around he's a you know a, a slot guy you can probably put him in the backfield but like i'm not expecting jason garrett to be creative um 
with with him at all. Uh, so I think that's a lot of development for a player that's probably not in the greatest position to do so um, in that offense. So I think that was that was a very weird fit, and it felt like that was kind of a we didn't take Devonte Smith, so maybe someone who is kind of. Devonte Smith. Uh, so I think that pick was, was a little forced, although, you know, coming with the trade back, I guess works a little better. Yeah, we can't dunk I mean, on them, the Giants because they got that first round pick that's attached to a rookie quarterback. I, I think no matter what, the Giants still came out with good process last night. <laughs> the thing with the Giants is like, <laughs> I mean, you sign Galladay, you still have Sterling Shepard there. Slayton is, a, I mean, for a number, I guess a number three, like it's fine. Um, you know, you look the uh, now it's only there's really only two or three guys that represent this, but I mean they have the second most cap space allocated to wide receivers through 2022. So, you know they've got a lot of money there um, that they were not going to be able to get off of. So I'm not sure. Again, this is a deep wide receiving class, wide receiver class. So if you're going to take a guy like Rondell Moore or Rondell Moore, um, Kadarius Tony, you could have waited to the second round and take Rondell Moore, right? Or Elijah Moore. You could have gotten one of these gadget guys in round two and been fine. So, um, you know, that O-line still is horrible. So, you know, Gettleman being Gettleman, what can we do? Got that first stuff. You did it, Dan. <laughs> sure. Um, so just going here, uh, the Giants used 13 personnel on 10% of their uh, offensive plays. Uh, last year, which was the second most uh, in the league. So how Jason Garrett is going to figure out this wide receiver rotation while, you know, three wide receiver or three tight ends stay on the field all the time is going to be very interesting. Um, So uh, let's, uh, I guess, move on to what we can look for for day two, because I think that's really interesting. Uh, I think there are a lot of, you know, there are a couple of guys who kind of expected to go in round one, still there, uh, ready to be taken uh, at the start of round two. Oisu Koromoa, I think, is one of those guys when we talk about wide receivers. Um, you know, Elijah Moore was a guy we, I think we kind of all expected to go uh, round one. So uh, what are we looking for uh, when we get started here in the top of round two and we head into uh, round three in day two? So I guess I, well, I'll just come at the angle of, since we haven't really talked about any of our betting props or anything, because <laughs> uh, we did really well. I know I did really well. Um, posted a bunch on the site and we talked about Twitter spaces, et cetera. So maybe from a betting perspective, you know, I'm not sure what's out there. Um, I saw some of the props popped up about an hour ago and I'm sure more will come up, but um, so Jacksonville is the top of the second round. Um, you know, Urban Meyer, is a guy who loves speed. I think he's going to, you saw with the ATN pick, I could see him going after Rondell Moore um, here at 33. I know a lot of people think he's going to go defense and it's possible he might go bar more too. Um, but he, you know, a Purdue guy, Rondell picked uh, Purdue over Ohio state. He was a big time recruit and he picked uh, Purdue over Ohio state, which was a shock to many. So I think that's a guy that, um, and, and more torched Ohio state a couple of years ago. So, I could see him being like, Hey, I need that guy. I recruited him once. Let me go after him. So if there's a long shot out there to, to, for Rondell Moore to go 33, take a look at there, you know, there. Uh, I think that, um, you know, Javante Williams has a good shot to go to a team like Miami. I think they need a running back. And I think that makes some sense. Um, the Eagles, obviously we know that they were looking at a cornerback last night and kind of got rebuffed and went receiver. Uh, I know that they're, you know, besides corner, they really need to refresh their defensive line. So if you can uh, find a defensive line or defensive, uh, you know, edge kind of uh, prop over there, I think that's a good uh, look for a couple guys um, with Philly. 
uh, that I think is interesting. You know, we talked about the Giants. I think they're going to go O-line, right? I think a lot of teams are going to go O-line, especially the top half of the second round. Um, that, you know, Cincinnati, obviously, they passed up. Carolina passed up some guys. Uh, and I think they all anticipated this, right? Like you can get some good linemen in the second round. So I would see a big run of O-linemen here in the top half, uh, maybe the top 10 to 12 picks uh, of round two. And then, you know, curious to see where JOK goes. I mean, he's kind of a, a man without a position, you know, safety linebacker tweener. I know a lot of Browns fans wanted him, still want him. Um, you know, uh, he's a good athlete. So we'll see uh, who, who makes the move there. But he's an interesting name to t- take a look at as well. But uh, I did have a prop that I gave out uh, both on Twitter and on our uh, Twitter spaces chat a few days ago um, dropped in price, but I have Seattle taking a quarterback with their next pick at their pick 56. Didn't have a first round pick. Um, and that was at plus 500 at the time I gave it out. I think it's at plus 250 now or 225. So it, it has dropped substantially, but they have like one quarterback on the roster signed through next year. They, they did, you know, they lost Griffin in the off season. They signed a Kelly Witherspoon, but really they're pretty barren there. And we know they like, historically, they do like uh, cornerbacks, athletic cornerbacks, especially tall, you know, rangy ones. So I'd look at Melifanwu from Syracuse kind of fits that prototype, that kind of high spark score, you know, six, three physical, you know, really good athlete out of Syracuse. So that's a guy that I would marry to Seattle. So, um, you know, I would still look at them taking a, a cornerback, and second round the same with San Francisco. I mean, the Niners have nobody signed. I don't think they have a single corner signed through next year. And, you know, their cornerback situation without Richard Sherman uh, is interesting as well. So uh, I would look for them to go defense after taking Trey Lance and, um, you know, cornerback would be another one uh, over there. So those are just a few things that, you know, I'm looking at round two here. I'm definitely looking at these wide receivers, uh, especially the top of this class. You know, we talked about this wide receiver class being a little, a little deep. I thought it was definitely overrated coming in, especially you know from from big media, just because of the archetype a lot of these wide receivers were. But if you look at you know recent history, the, the second round wide receivers have had a lot of hits compared to a lot of misses in round one. And I think when you look at these round one landing spots, especially because I'm coming more from a fantasy lens. I mean, it's tough to make an argument that a lot of guys came out. Obviously, Chase is in a good spot, and, you know, Waddle could be, but, you know, Devontae Smith, you know, paired with Jalen Hurts. We've got Kadarius Toney in kind of this quagmire. We don't know what Daniel Jones is. Uh, Rashad Bateman going to a low-volume passing game. Uh, I mean, all those guys could end up getting leapfrogged by guys like Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, you know, Nico Collins, wherever these guys go. They could end up landing better. Terrence Marshall, they get a better landing spot. I mean, you look at just, you know, over the past five or six years, I mean, Second rounder series, we had Michael Thomas and Tyler Boyd, you know, supremely outplay guys like Corey Coleman and Josh Jackson and Laquan Treadwell in the first round. Uh, you know, the year after that, we have guys like Juju and Curtis Samuel go in the second round after guys like John Ross and, you know, get, go ahead of them. Uh, you know, last year we had Claypool. We obviously, the two years ago, we had the, you know, the A.J. Brown, uh, whole Debo Samuel and D.K. Metcalf go after a whole bunch of guys that have not played well, the Kill Harrys of the world. Uh, so, I mean, there's still an opportunity for a lot of these wide receivers to land in good landing spots in round two. Uh, that that could be a little more advantageous to guys that had a lot more draft capital invested in them yesterday. So I'm definitely looking at this next pool of guys and seeing where they end up, uh, you know, kind of compared to where guys fell yesterday, because a lot of landing spots are not really that enticing where guys landed yesterday. Yeah. Let's see. I wonder where Marshall goes. I mean, Marshall, if you look at his kind of size, speed metrics, Mm -hmm. really athletic kind of top 10 and, you know, vertical broad 40 yard time among all the receivers uh you know good size but 
you know, I know he had those lower leg injury issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see how far he drops. Cause I think he's, he fits like the, 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 you know, the type of guys you're talking about in round two. So that's an interesting one uh, for sure. I do like Nico Collins as kind of a sleeper round three. I have my Browns taking him there kind of, again, another six, four, um, very, very good um, spark score, high, high athleticism. Um, you know, under uh, didn't produce that great at Michigan, but you know we know that the quarterback situation there. So uh, that's another guy that I think is interesting that you mentioned. I like that one. Yeah, Nico Collins is definitely someone who is very uh, interesting to watch. You know, the the metric I really look at every year is you know what you add to the offense, kind of when you're targeted, and you take wide receivers yards per target and take it away from when the cornerback is quarterback is throwing to literally anyone else on the offense uh, and in 2019 and Nico Collins came out uh, really well uh, in, in that metric. Um, so that kind of, you know, puts a little bit of context into what these guys are doing inside of offenses because college offenses are freaking weird. And uh, looking at any really like rate stats, you, you just have no idea. Uh, another guy, uh, there, you know, Terrence Marshall uh, came out uh, real well there. And Lance Zerline just uh, posted a mock, has him going last until 51 uh, and going to Washington, which uh, f- fun landing spot. But uh, for him to still be available at 51 uh, would be uh, much of a surprise. And obviously that's probably injury related. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm just, just uh, Dane Brugler has him going 67 to Houston, third round. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no. Into the abyss no. that is Houston. Yeah. I mean, no. like that's the thing. The Texans are going to take probably some of these guys, right? Like just long, you know, they take high upside guys. Why not? Uh, but yeah, that, that would, that would be a rough, uh, rough drop for him. What about your, your boy? Don't you love Diami? Is it Diami Brown? Is that a guy you like? I do. Yeah. Very interested uh, to see where uh, he's going to go. Uh, he's the guy who's, you know, the, uh, on the smaller side, I think about six foot, but you know, the way you use it, North Carolina was, you know, strange. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was the Phil Longo, the, the DK Metcalf stay on one side yeah. and do this one thing. Um, but again, he did that one thing really well. Uh, he was a really good, uh, vertical threat, uh, among the best when he was, you know, targeted 25% of his, uh, targets were deep, um, you know, the highest a dot in this class. And I think he already kind of showed when you kind of look at him on film a little bit, he showed that ability that I, I wrote about with uh, Stefan Diggs this past year, where everything is based off the vertical game. Uh, but when you have those curls and comebacks, you can set everyone up by selling those vertical routes. I think he already has that to his game. It wasn't used a significant amount last year, but I think that's already a piece of his game that can really fit, uh, like just right now. So I think he can be an immediate deep threat um, as soon as he's, uh, you know, put in there. So to get him in, in round two or round three, uh, I think is going to be uh, really good. And I think that's probably where some of these, you know, wide receivers go. They're going to get some value with these guys who can, you know, um, whether they're not going to be, you know, you know, your number one guy, but I think we're some NFL teams. And I think that's why we're getting better at, at seeing these later round receivers go. I think NFL teams know the roles that these guys can be put in and how they can be used. And when you're reaching for a guy in round one, you're hoping he can do everything. And I think that's kind of why we see some of those guys fail, uh, but when, or just not produce uh, to the extent of what their, um, what their draft status is. Uh, but when you get guys now who are going in day two uh, and, like even in, in round three here, uh, you're getting teams that 
have identified the roles of where these guys are going to win in the NFL. And I think you're just seeing them get put in that position in the NFL. And I think that's, that's really why um, they're, they're able to succeed kind of at a bit of a higher rate. And I think you're going to have guys like Diami Brown. Um, you're going to have, this is someone like, you know, an Elijah Moore probably he's probably better off going, you know, round two or right now to wherever he's going to go than if he was maybe forced in like the first half of round one, which where he was boxed sometimes and where I thought he was going to go. Cause I, I do really like him as a prospect a lot. And the Marshall <clears throat> stuff's interesting because all the people that like I follow that from the medical side say like it's kind of fluky what has ha- happened to him so far, but he's clearly tumbling down boards. I mean, this is uh, almost giving me Jay Ajayi flashbacks. Yeah, it's really weird. And that's one of the things we, you know, don't get with, you know, the, the combine. There were the medical rechecks and that's kind of where some of this stuff popped up. But yeah, I have seen that some people say they don't expect this to be that much of an issue. Uh, but then we're also seeing it reported a lot of teams have him flagged. So um, yeah, I think he's a the way he played, I think he's the top five receiver uh, in this class right now, just kind of as a prospect. So for him to be where he is uh, right now, and I think there's just so many ways he can win well uh, at the NFL level. We've already seen, you know, the Joe Brady type of offense uh, and those wide receivers really translate well to the NFL early. So, yeah, I think he's uh, probably the guy I'm most excited to to see where he goes uh, until T.A. you told me it's possibly Houston. And uh, I, that just, I'm going to go take a nap now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, it, the problem with doing this stuff from where we stand, we don't have all the medicals and we're not doctors, obviously. So we'd have no idea how, how severe some of these injuries are. So it's just so hard to, I mean, if you, if you didn't have those medicals, he would have gone in the twenties, I imagine. Right. Like I think he's a better prospect than Bateman and, um, Tony for sure. So um, the fact that he dropped out probably tells tells us that he's got really, really, you know, significant issues, I guess. And it's not even like current issues. He may be actually end up, you know, in this riches of your territory, he might have like the best rookie season among all the receivers, but they may think in two, three, four years, you know, uh, it could be a refracture of the foot, for example, or, you know, some sort of degenerative condition. And so, you know, these teams are looking multiple years uh, ahead, but I think from a fantasy perspective even like a dynasty perspective he may end up being like the most valuable receiver outside of the first couple guys um depending on landing spot because of uh just he could be really good for one or two years specifically yeah so that's you know uh i think a lot of i think one of the cool things is there's a lot of really interesting guys that are still going to go uh, day two, day three. So it's not like uh, everything happened on day one and, and nothing interesting is going to happen now. So let's uh, end with this uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter reports. This is from uh, Zach Cruz um, ESPN. Adam Schefter says Adam Aaron Rodgers has told teammates. He doesn't plan to return. Um, so he's not just telling guys in the front office. He's now telling teammates. So, uh, that's fine. on Denver. Go get my Denver future. I got 75 to one shot on them. Come on. Let's, let's go. Your baby, just, man, your baby. Uh, well, dude, look, here's so. the thing. Here, here's the thing. Like I actually thought that the fact that they passed on fields and took a corner in certain, which they didn't necessarily need that actually lended me to, to say, all right, that's actually a really good trade chip for a team like green Bay. That's who they would want. But then they took Stokes, and I was like they totally confused. <laughs> but uh, I mean, because like, what you can't trade a quarterback back to Green Bay. They've got love. I mean, obviously, the, the fact that they drafted him is the reason why Rodgers is really pissed. So, you know, I'm not sure what it would take, but uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know who else besides Denver. Now that San Francisco's got Lance, like, what you know, 
who's got anything to offer, I guess, at this point. I don't even know what the, let me ask you guys, what is the trade value for a 37 year old MVP quarterback? Like what, like what, what is the proper trade value? I don't know what that is. Is it like a first round pick and maybe one or two players? Is that, I mean, I would Green Bay even take that? That's the problem is that the marriage between what you'd want to give up for essentially a three-year window, um, like a Tom Brady type window versus what Green Bay would be willing to take and try to save face is really hard to, to, you know, to meet, I think, at the end of the day. I think it's probably a loss for Green Bay regardless. Like there's just no – like they even Yeah, they're going to look bad either way. Yeah, right? they, it's, they it's, took the yeah. loss as soon as they took Jordan Love. There was no <laughs> way that was ending well. Mm-hmm. after they took Jordan Love. And uh, apparently uh, Jake Glazer reported yesterday that the coaching staff didn't even know they were taking Jordan Love uh, when they took him last year. That's all um, so they were surprised uh, when that happened. So obviously there, there was no way that was ending well, um, you know, as, as soon as that pick was made. Um, but let's just uh, get back. Let's uh, to put a bow on this. Uh, when uh, Dave Gettleman was asked about Aaron Rodgers um, during the post-draft uh, round one press conference and he said yeah no i didn't call that's none of my business so you know can't win them all i guess don't want to get pleased (laughs) you can't it can't be getting too progressive here Um, the one thing we don't know is though is just like the this era of quarterbacks now are almost like relief pitchers in major league baseball like these guys are all pushing 40 now which is kind of wild and where's the actual cutoff like when do these guys actually stop playing uh, like everyone's kind of getting there now. And, you know, Rogers is definitely compared to a guy like Ben Roethlisberger is definitely in a lot better shape. And from a health stance has not had the injuries big Ben has had either. I mean, who, who knows how long Rogers could play? Could he play eight more years? Could he play six more years? Could he, I mean, no one knows. We're just in uncharted territory, which like TA said, it just makes it impossible to try to nail down what's the actual value to kind of surrender. But I mean, if I'm Denver, I'm emptying the chamber. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, <laughs> trade all your picks. The, the roster is ready to go. Like, if they, if, if let's say they just traded, you know, their entire draft. I'm just making it up. Say they traded their entire draft this year for them. Like, you stick them on that roster. They're probably behind Kansas City. Um, they're probably the number two team in the AFC. I think from a from a odds perspective, um, th- that's where I would put them. And I think they're top five in the league. So like, why, like, just do it. Like you already saw what happens when you add a guy like Peyton Manning, you know, in his last couple of years, you saw what Tampa did with Brady. Like, just go for it. Like, why not? You know, like you've got the roster for it. Just go ahead and, and empty the chamber. I agree. And then every time I've like kind of thought about that, I think that the, Pat Shermer is the offensive coordinator in Denver. And then it's just like, Why? Come on, Pat Shermer turned around Case Keenum. Like he made him a, a really, he made him a lot of money. Like he's he's not a good coach, not a good head coach. Yeah, Come he's up. also not a good offensive coordinator. <laughs> I mean, that Case Keenum uh, was insanely unsustainable um, with literally everything he did. Um, this I I did a, a deep dive on Shermer's offensive coordinator past uh, when he was the That's head coach of the Giants, base, and it was it's not like good. Yeah. Base. You just get that yeah, out of the way. Exactly. Roger, Rogers is that's, the real that's what would have to happen for Rogers to come in <laughs> and be like, you know, this, this is what I want to run. This is what I am running. And this is what we're going to do. Uh, and that's, I think how that works. So, um, all right. A lot of hypotheticals here, uh, but that's kind of what we do during a draft season. Um, Cause we just have no idea what is going to happen, which is what makes it fun. So um, on that note, uh, we're going to end the show here. We've, uh, there's so much uh, content here up on the site. Rich has been killing it with um, the fantasy impacts of basically every 
basically every pick last night was a was a skill position. So they're all they're all written up and, and on this site. Um, so you can find all the write ups there. He'll still be doing that uh, through uh, some of the big guys for rounds two uh, and three. Ta has been going through with a whole bunch of uh, props that you can uh, be finding uh, on his Twitter and and everywhere else. Um, uh, so yeah, we all participated in a roundtable where you can kind of find our, our written. Uh, reactions to uh, a lot of what we said here. Uh, that's on the site. We'll be back with uh, so much more stuff. Uh, you can find pretty much whatever you want uh, at sharpfootballanalysis.com right now. So uh, thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon.